Omega Man Radio has been commissioned to invade deep into enemy territory, drive out the hosts of hell, and take back the land. Our mission is to preach Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who is the only name written under heaven by which men might be saved. Cast out demons and pray for the sick that they may be healed in Jesus' name. If this program is a blessing to you and you would like to take part in this harvest of men's souls, join with us and attack the hosts of hell by donating any amount online at www.omegamanradio.com. Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, I can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network. mentioning uh, please get these shows that you miss or you'd like to listen to again and uh, share them with a friend okay well brother Michael welcome back would you like to open us in prayer yes certainly thank you very much dear Lord God we're talking today about the crucifixion we're talking about Calvary and we're filling in the gaps for the things that maybe we forget And Lord, I ask you to bless all those that are listening today. Bless Shannon and his family and bless all the presenters who will come on today. And Lord God, touch everyone who listens to this program today in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior's name. Amen. I say amen to that. Folks, we're live with Pastor Michael Cummins coming to you from England. Brother Michael, what is your website where people can contact you? Uh, it's frame f r a m e coming c u double m i n s one two three at aol dot com. Fantastic. We'll give it again later, brother Michael. The microphone is yours. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Today we're going to talk about certain aspects of the crucifixion. Certain parties that maybe we need to look at and see what their role was in the crucifixion of Jesus. It's always good to go back to Calvary and remind ourselves what the Lord has done for us. And the first person we're going to look at today is Pontius Pilate. We're also going to look at his wife as well. Now, Pontius Pilate was the Roman governor of Judea from A.D. 26 to 36, serving under Emperor Tiberius. He is most known for his involvement in condemning Jesus to death on the cross. And Pilate, I ask you, hero or villain? Some people say that he tried to save Jesus, 
I believe he was a political animal who was worried about insurrection in Israel. And he was worried about Barabbas and the followers of Barabbas and other groups in Israel who really wanted to go to war with the Romans. And I believe he saw Jesus as the way out, condemning Jesus, crucifying Jesus and giving them back Barabbas. In the Bible, Pontius Pilate, is mentioned solely in connection with the trials and crucifixion of Jesus. He is mentioned in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark and Luke. And they portray Pilate as reluctant to crucify Jesus. Pilate says that the charges brought against Jesus have no value. And let's have a look at our first scripture today. Luke 23 verse 14 said unto them, you have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I, having examined him before you, have found no fault in this man, touching those things whereof you accuse him of. So you see, they've bought Jesus. They want to get rid of Jesus and the religious Jews in Jerusalem at the time. They don't want it to be on their back. They want Pilate to do the condemning. But Pilate cannot find any grounds to crucify Jesus. Now, Pilate's conscience was already bothering him. And when his wife sent him an urgent message concerning Jesus, she asked him to have nothing to do with this innocent man. For she had suffered a great deal in bad dreams. Let's have a look at that now and see what it says. And you can read that in Matthew 27, verse 19. You know, it's so important every now and again we look at what happened at Calvary. Hallelujah. Matthew 27, verse 19 says... When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. And Pilate's wife was very troubled. You know, it was at the time that Pilate started washing his hands because he really wanted nothing to do with this. Pilate was worried. Now you see Pilate wasn't a servant of God. Pilate was a servant of Tiberius in Rome. So what Pilate wanted to do was not upset his emperor. Now Jesus is known in John 14 verse 6 as the way, the truth and the life. Let's just read that now. And see what it says. That's John 14, verse 6. Hallelujah. We praise the name of Jesus. Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And there he was, the way and the truth and the life, being judged by a human judge who was confused about the truth and was about to condemn the most righteous man, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, God incarnate. He was about 
to judge him and send him to his death. In the end, Pilate sought a compromise. Knowing Jesus had been handed over by the religious leaders out of envy, he appealed to the crowds at the Passover, asking which criminal should be set free, Jesus or Barabbas. Now, Jesus was not a criminal. He had never done anything wrong in his life. Barabbas was what you call a modern-day terrorist. And the leaders convinced the crowd, the religious leaders convinced the crowd to shout out for Barabbas. Matthew 27, verses 20 to 21. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Verse 22 says, Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. Hallelujah. This is Pilate's involvement with what is going on on this awful, tragic day. And Pilate, I believe, people say he was torn between two worlds. He was torn between the Roman world and the world of God. Pilate just wanted things to be expedient. I believe he was probably very upset with his wife on the day because his wife was telling him, have nothing to do with this righteous man. Let's have a look at Mark 15, verse 15. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. And that's Pilate's initial thing he did. Pilate had the charge against Jesus posted on the cross above Jesus' head. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Hallelujah. We know a lot of people didn't like this and they said, change it. Change it to he said he was the King of the Jews, but Pilate wouldn't do that. Pilate said what is written will stay written. Hallelujah. So Pilate washed his hands of the whole affair. Pilate's brief appearance in scripture is full of tragedy. He ignored his conscience. He disregarded the good advice of his wife. He chose political expediency over the truth. And he failed to recognize the truth, even though the truth, the way and the life was standing immediately in front of him. When given an opportunity to evaluate what Jesus has said, he turned it down and he decided to follow the crowd. Let's have a look at Matthew 27, verse 37. And set up over his head 
his accusation written. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Hallelujah. As soon as Jesus died, Joseph of Arimathea, who was the Virgin Mary's uncle, asked Pilate for the body in order to bury him. And Pilate granted him that request. Pilate granted him that request. I think Pilate just wanted the whole matter over and done with pretty quickly. Pilate must have been shot rigid by what his wife had told him. Let's have a look at John 19, verse 38. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. Hallelujah. He took it away. The last glimpse we have of Pontius Pilate is when he assigns guards to the tomb. He sends guards to the tomb to, to look after the body of Jesus. And there's lots of rumours going around at the time coming from the religious people in Jerusalem who saying put guards there because his disciples will come and try and take the body away. The rumours were going around, the scriptures, they had read the scriptures. They had read the scribes of Isaiah. They knew that after the travailing of Jesus' soul, he would rise from the dead. Let's have a look at Matthew 27, 64-66. Command, therefore, that the, sep the sepulchre be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, You have a watch, go your way. Make it as sure as you can. So Pilate, his final act in his infamy was to put guards. I say it again. Pilate was you Pilate was a user who would use Jesus to get him out of trouble with the religious leaders in Jerusalem who let a terrorist go Barabbas rather than save the King of Kings. Pilate will have to stand before God on the judgment day and he doesn't have any chance at all for he killed God made flesh on the earth hallelujah Pilate went on to create great infamy Pilate had been governor for 10 years and he slaughtered a group of armed Samaritans at a village called Terathana near Mount Gerasim. Now remember the Samaritans worshipped on Mount Gerasim. 
The Samaritans claimed they were unarmed and Pilate had lied by suggesting they were armed. And they complained to Lucius Vitellius, the governor of Syria, who contacted Tiberius in Rome and he said this genocide had taken place in Samaria. And Pilate was recalled to Rome. He was told to come and face trial. The truth is, I believe Tiberius was probably fed up with Pilate and he wanted to recall him to Rome and replace him anyway. So Pilate went to Rome. During the journey, Tiberius died. The emperor died and he was replaced by the madman, the mad Roman emperor, Caligula. And he had to stand before Caligula. He was told to commit suicide. The Romans used to say to people when they were disgraced, when they were Roman, people like prefects and governors, take your own life. When they executed people who had been heroes and had been gladiators, they took them to the archers' field and archers would fire arrows at them until they were dead. But Pilate was told to commit suicide. As we say, he claimed the Samaritans were armed. They claimed they wasn't. Lucius Vitellius, the governor of Syria, had a lot of say in Rome. Church historian Eusebius claims that Pilate committed suicide in disgrace. He was only aged 39. Let's talk a bit about Pilate's wife. Pilate's wife was named Procula in Latin, and that is translated to Procla in Greek. She appears just once in the Gospels. She appears in Matthew 27, verses 19. She appears in that. And she, I'll read it again. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. That's the only time she's mentioned. And later in life, she changed her name. She was known as Claudia Procula and is venerated as a saint in the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Coptic Church, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church and the Eastern Catholic Church. They have a saint's day for her and she's known as a saint because she interceded in a way for Jesus Christ by telling her husband not to have anything to do. Then we never think about this. We don't look at Pilate and his decisions and we don't look at his wife. She died a saint. Pilate died a villain. That's the first two people we want to talk about on the day Jesus was crucified. We want to talk about the two thieves now crucified either side of Jesus. We want to talk about these two people because this is remarkable. Christian tradition states that Justus was crucified on the left side of Jesus and Dismas was crucified 
on the right side of Jesus. Jestus, or Jezman, as he is sometimes called, is the unrepentant thief, or known as the bad thief. Crucifixion was regarded as the worst type of execution someone could suffer. We know why Jesus was being crucified. The Jewish religious leaders declared him to be a blasphemer. And they pressurized a weak pilot to have Jesus crucified. But the other two crucified either side of Jesus must have been guilty of far more serious crimes to be crucified than theft or petty larceny. I believe it may have been insurrection against Roman rule. I think it must have been something pretty serious because crucifixion was a terrible type of death and it was set aside for really the lowest of the low and the idea of crucifixion was to bring shame and dishonour to whoever was being crucified. Now we know these thieves were crucified either side of him and Jesus was in the middle and initially both of them mocked Jesus. Luke 23 verses 39 to 44 gives us an insight of what they said to Jesus. Hallelujah. And we're going to read that now from the Gospel of Luke. Luke 23, 39 to 44. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's have a look what was said in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 27, verses 38 to 44. We'll read all this now so we get it absolutely right. Matthew 27, 38 to 44. Then there were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it, in three days save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him, 
with the scribes and the elders said he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now. If he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Hallelujah. We can see this now. What is happening? They're mocking Jesus. If we look at verse 44, the thieves that were crucified either side of Jesus are hearing what is being said. And they decide to join in with those who are criticizing Jesus, who are saying all vile things against Jesus. But this is scriptural. Let's read now Isaiah 53, verse 12. And let us hear what Isaiah said when he had this divine revelation of the suffering servant. Isaiah 53, verse 12. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. He made intercession for the transgressors. Jesus Christ is being crucified with sinners. He's being crucified with men who are unrighteous. Psalm 22 Verses 7 and 8 says this, All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Hallelujah. The repentant thief, Dismas, we're going to read about him now. He recognizes that his sentence is just. And they deserve their punishment. But he recognizes that Jesus is innocent of all crimes. Justus, the unrepentant thief, hurled insults at Jesus. Dismas had been transformed and now defended Jesus and feared God. Let's have a look at Luke 23, verses 39 to 41. Luke 23, verses 39 to 41. Hallelujah. And one of the malefactors which was hanged Railed in him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing amiss. 
Hallelujah. You see, he recognized. Dismas recognized that Jesus had done nothing. He was listening to those who were there present at the crucifixion. And if you like, he was now to the cross and he had his form of Damascus Road experience. He was now defending Jesus. And he feared God. John 19, verses 32 to 34, will give us an insight in what's now going on. There's a change in this man. He has changed. He sees things differently. He's beginning to see Jesus as Lord. John 19, verses 32 to 34. Then came the soldiers and broke the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw he was dead already, they broke not his legs. Hallelujah. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came there out blood and water. You see, Jesus died before these two thieves. They had seen the way Jesus had behaved. They had heard Jesus say, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. And when Jesus cried this out in the Gospel of Luke, which is Luke 23, verse 34. Hallelujah. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Jesus was truly the king of heaven, far greater than an earthly king. Jesus gave Dismas the greatest good news any man could give him. Dismas was on his way to hell. Both of these robbers was on their way to hell. But Dismas had looked at Jesus and saw he was righteous. And he had asked Jesus to forgive him. And Jesus gave him the assurance that he would be with him in heaven. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. The penitent thief Dismas teaches us that it's never too late to accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour. He was sentenced to death, and on his way to hell, he met Jesus. And Jesus promised him eternal life in paradise. We should all learn from this. We should learn from the two thieves. We should learn from the unpenitent, the impenitent robber who refused to confess his sins, refused to acknowledge. But Dismas acknowledged. What the sinner has to do, and what we all have to do, is acknowledge that we are sinners. He or she is a sinner. Confess his or her sins and ask Jesus forgiveness. Tell all the people close to death, 
it's never too late to receive salvation. And what a wonderful thing that is regarding Dismas, who is now with Jesus in paradise, is now with Jesus in heaven. Now, I want to talk a bit about the Roman soldiers. The Roman soldiers were very cruel to Jesus on the day of his crucifixion. They were employed, if you like, by the Roman Empire to keep anyone who stood against the Roman Empire down. They was brutal. The Roman Empire was brutal. Huge armies trained up in Rome and all the centers of excellence all all over the Roman Empire where they was taught to fight. When Jesus was given to them to be scrouged, they whipped him. They punched him in the face. They pulled his beard. They placed a crown of thorns on his head so deep into his skull that the blood ran down his head onto his face. They didn't care. They didn't have mercy. I believe they whipped his back so there was no flesh on his back. They had whips that at the bottom of these whips were small balls of metal that ripped the skin off of Jesus' back. The back of his legs, the soles of his feet, his ankles, even his buttocks would have been raw. They mocked Jesus. They spat at him. They called him king of the Jews. They put a purple robe on him. They were the cruelest people ever. And when we look at Calvary and we look at the cross, we can see that the chastisement of our peace was truly upon him. By stripes, we are healed. Let's speak about some of these Roman soldiers. Let's look at how they treated Jesus. You see, I believe they will all stand before God. There was nobody who said anything decent against Jesus. But we will read of one later. The soldiers mocked Jesus. Matthew 27, verses 27 to 31. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, How, King of the Jews! And they spit upon him, and they took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, they had mocked him. They put the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. The only help he got was from Simon of Cyrene. Verse 32. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon, 
by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And then they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of the skull. Hallelujah. They just mocked Jesus. They cast lots for his garments. Matthew 27, verse 35 says, And they crucified him and parted his garments, cast in lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments amongst them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. Hallelujah. If you go to Israel today, there is a pavement, an ancient Roman pavement. You have to go downstairs in Jerusalem. And there is a stone, huge stone part of the pavement that has scratched on it dice and things that we use to gamble. And that place is called Echo Hom, which means behold the man. And it is believed that is the place where they cast lots for Jesus' realment. Hallelujah. How cruel. Let's read about the crown of thorns. Matthew 27, verse 29. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, How? King of the Jews. Hallelujah. That crown of thorns was a terrible thing. It was pushed down deep in his skull. Deep in his skull. The pain must have been agony. If it was, uh, if it came from the date tree and the crown of thorns was crown of thorns from the date tree, that had neurotoxins in it. And when you push that on the head of Jesus he would have become dizzy and his skull would have been poisoned causing great swelling and the agony would have been awful let's have a look at Mark 15 verses 17 and they clothed him with a with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. Hallelujah. The crown of thorns was significant. Jesus was known as the King of the Jews. So they needed to put him, put him with a crown that made him look lowly like he was a counterfeit king. And that's what they did to him. That's the cruelty of it now. Let's have a look at Isaiah 53 again. Hallelujah. And we're going to look at verse 5 and see what it says again. Hallelujah. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Hallelujah. This crown of thorns would have caused Jesus indescribable pain. I don't think you can read anywhere in the world today 
how one man, a righteous man, was treated so cruelly. The Roman soldiers tortured Jesus without mercy and were unmoved by the violence that they was committing against an innocent man. And they will certainly pay on the last day. But there was one Roman soldier who was different. The Roman soldier who pierced Jesus' side. He has been given the name of Longinus. In some Christian traditions, it states that he was a blind man. But when his lance pierced Jesus' side, the blood and the water spurted out and hit him in the face and hit him in his eyelids and his eyes. And instantly, that Roman soldier was healed. His eyesight was restored immediately. Longinus, the centurion, said of Jesus that he was the Son of God. It is believed that later he converted to Christianity and is venerated as a saint. In the Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox churches, he was told to pierce Jesus' side because they wanted to know if Jesus was dead or not. And that's why he pierced his side. Now, it's a very strange story that a blind man would be used for such a thing. But I believe it. I believe that Longinus was a blind man. And he was told to pierce the side of Jesus. And when he did, that flow, the living water and the precious blood of the lamb spurted all over his blind eyes and restored him. Let's look at John 19, verse 34. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it, bear record, and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true, that you might believe. Hallelujah. Jesus never had his legs broken. His side was pierced, and they knew that he was already dead. Long genus, he converted to Christianity. He became a child of God, and he decided that he would follow Jesus. And we're going to speak about the last person I've chose to speak about the crucifixion, and that's John the Apostle. He was a witness to everything that happened that day. And in the Greek, the word for witness is martyrus, which shortened means martyr. John didn't run off from the fear of the authorities. Martyrs are in the Greek the witnesses who can tell of the events they have seen and can write about them for history. John 19, verses 25 to 27. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother 
and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Hallelujah. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Hallelujah. What a wonderful thing Jesus said. Jesus is dying in agony on the cross. The pain is tremendous. But he still has time to look for the welfare of the disciple we loved, John the Apostle, and his beloved mother Mary. And he told John to take Mary home to his house to look after her and protect her from all that might happen to her. John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. And we first read this in John 13, verse 23. And we'll read this today. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Hallelujah. John, or the disciple Jesus loved, his Hebrew name was Johanan, which means God has been gracious. He was the first cousin of Jesus, son of the prosperous fisherman called Zebedee. He's the writer of the three epistles, John 1, 2, and 3. He wrote the book of Revelation and also the Gospel of John. What a remarkable man. He took Mary back into his house and he looked after her. And at this time, Jesus showed so much tenderness and love for his mother and the disciple whom he loved. He knew he didn't have long to live, and he wanted to make sure his mother was safe and being looked after. These are the people that I've highlighted from Calvary, who I believe we need to talk about. When we go and read the Gospel of John, we say this is marvellous to what is written in. I love the book of John. Many people love the book of John. It is truly, truly wonderful. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, we pray. John was a marvellous disciple. Everyone else had run away. Everyone else had gone. He stayed there. He stayed there with the women. There was five people there witnessing the death of Jesus. As we know, John went to the island of Patmos. He suffered greatly. He was taken to Rome. So it is said he was taken to Rome and made to stand before Caesar. 
who asked him to deny Jesus and declare that Caesar was king. They threw him in a vat of boiling oil, but all the boiling oil just went away from him. He didn't have one little blister on his body. Truly a remarkable witness for Jesus Christ and a remarkable disciple of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And I wish my faith was as great as his faith. Truly remarkable. Now we've read some of Isaiah 53 today. I'd like to read that now to you if I may. I got enough to preach today because I knew time was tight today because there's other people coming on. But I want to read Isaiah 53 for you now. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and covered our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Or we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before a shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Amen. Glory to the Father. Glory to the Son. Glory to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and shall be forevermore, whole life eternal.
And I finished a bit early today because, as you know, I'm normally on at 3 o'clock on Wednesdays. But because I'm tied up tomorrow, I can't come on, so I did this show today. And I chose Calvary because I don't hear many teachers talk about Calvary and talk about some of the personnel who was around Jesus on his final moments on the earth. Hallelujah. So I say to you now, if you know anyone whose life is at an end and they haven't given their lives to Jesus, tell them about the penitent robber on the cross who is now with Jesus in paradise. It's in the Bible. It's easy to understand. Tell them about it. Now, if you want to contact me, uh, I pastor a church in northwest London called Kilburn Christian Fellowship. You can find it online. If you need personal prayers, you can ring me on 07469 235351. If you wish to send me a Skype request, if you go to my email address, which is frame, F-R-A-M-E, come in, C-U-M-M-I-N-S, 123 at AOL.com. You can send me a Skype request and we can start talking. I'll be happy to pray for you. If you need deliverance, you can contact me. If you're ever in London town, you can come and see us at Kilburn Christian Fellowship. I'm here to help you. When the Lord called me all those years ago, he called me that I could help save those who were lost through deliverance and healing. And that's what I'm trying to do today. If you wish to support my ministry, you can always contact me at Kilburn Christian Fellowship online or you can contact me on Frame Cummins again, 123 at com. There's also a PayPal account link to that email address it's been a blessing and it's wonderful to talk to you and I pray you like today's teaching Amen Brother Michael's a great teaching today and I'll have this up here in about an hour encourage everybody to get a copy of this and share it with a friend my friend we love and appreciate you thank you for coming on today excellent message again and we'll see you next week God richly bless you. My love to everyone. My love to your family. And back to 3 o'clock on Wednesday next week, okay? See you then, brother. God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye.